love does. Love does. The apostle that spoke about love more than any of the others was John. He's known as the apostle of love. He wrote a gospel. He wrote 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. And we're in 1st John this morning, chapter number 3, beginning with verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If anyone has material possessions sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love not just with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us love not just with words and speech, The world has heard that God loves them. The world has heard that God cares about them. The world has heard that the church is here to help them. But have they seen it in action? Verse 19 says, This is how we know that we even belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command. Here it is. This is the command of Jesus Christ. Believe in the name of of Christ and love one another as he commanded us. Let me pause for a minute. Belief is not just an intellectual assent saying, yes, I believe something. Biblical belief always moves a person into obedience. If you're not obeying the commands of God, you really need to ask yourself, do I really believe? Biblical belief always moves us into action. The final verse of this chapter says, The one who keeps God's commandments lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the next half hour that we will explore the truth of your words. But God, we open our hearts to you. We don't want more knowledge We want, Lord, revelation, and we want Holy Spirit empowerment that we might go and live lives that would demonstrate the love of God to our family, our neighbors, our friends, our enemies, our communities, our state, our nation, our world. So God, change us through your word today in your name. Amen. You may be seated. We emphasize often the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments are wonderful. Some people don't realize the Ten Commandments really are all encapsulated in the commandment that Jesus gives. That says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Here we read, this is my commandment, that you love one another, and not just in word, but in deed. I want to 
speak for just a moment before we really dive into our text about commandments because it can be very confusing. Now, as you know, we're going through the Bible this year as a church. We're reading through the scriptures, and you'll notice we're not going to be reading in Leviticus. It's not because Leviticus is not the Word of God. It's not that Leviticus does not have information in there that might help us in certain uh, arenas. But Leviticus is a book of laws that really no longer apply. So then people scratch their head and say, well, you can't just pick and choose. Which of the laws in the Bible do we take and which laws do we ignore? A lot of people will say, well, you you know, you've got to worship on a certain day because the Bible says keep the Sabbath holy. Yet they ignore the law that says do not wear cotton and wool mixed together. Some people say, well, we can't eat this or we can't eat that. So I want to just give you a little brief insight into the way that law should be looked at when we read the scriptures. There's really three different types of laws found in the Bible. And the first are what we would call civil laws. Civil laws. They were set up so the nation of Israel could thrive. Now Jesus, remember, emerged from Israel. But Jesus started a new Israel what he called a spiritual Israel. We're no longer bound to the civil laws of the Old Testament Leviticus Israel nation because God, frankly, doesn't have a nation state on earth anymore. Of course, we can wisely look at some of those principles, some of those civil laws that were designed specifically for Israel at the time, before there was sanitation, before there was sewers, before there was pure water. A lot of the laws were designed to keep people safe. They've got to be taken into context. And we can look at some of those laws and we can apply them to our own nation, our own society, principles about public health, principles about caring for the poor. They can be applied But those specific civil laws were all fulfilled in Jesus. Now, there's also ceremonial laws, which illustrate for us God's holiness and our unholiness and what God was going to do about it in the future, looking toward the cross. We're beyond the cross. The final sacrifice has already been made the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. See, the entire sacrificial system would have been ingrained into Israel's minds. Man, there's this big gap. Man is sinful. God is holy. How are we going to bridge that gap? And in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, the sacrifices were all fulfilled in Jesus' perfect life and death. All the sacrifices under the ceremonial laws have been fulfilled in Jesus. He died once and for all. Praise God. So if we accept Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, we don't need any other sacrifices. In fact, if you think about it, if you go back to them, you're actually communicating that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't sufficient. And I'm here to tell you the blood of Jesus is sufficient. He died once and for all. 
So there are civil laws that we read about that were designed for the nation of Israel. There are sacrificial laws that were applicable in that time, but since Jesus was our ultimate sacrifice, those laws aren't something that we need to observe today. But there are moral laws, moral laws like the Ten Commandments, very much in effect today. Now, they're fulfilled in Jesus in one way, in that he kept them all perfectly, something that none of us have done. In fact, he kept them perfectly not just for a day, but for his entire life. But unlike those civil and ceremonial laws, which were really time-bound, they were given for a specific period of time for specific reasons. The moral laws reflect God's character which never change. God's character does not change. So his views on morality don't change either. What he said about adultery, what he said about greed, what he said about murder, what he said about all those things in the Old Testament still apply today because he hasn't changed. We know that. In fact, they reflect God's character, and when Jesus mentioned those moral laws, he not only affirmed them, but I've said so often, he intensified them. He raised the bar on us. We don't have to worry so much about those ceremonial and civil laws, but man, the moral laws, we not only need to look at them, we need to see them through the eyes of Jesus. Because when Jesus came along, he intensified them. And that's why in John chapter 13, look at the scripture, again recorded by John. But Jesus said this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So friends, according to Jesus, the mark of a Christian is love. I just dearly love Pastor Andrew Thompson. He's got a great congregation in East Wenatchee, Columbia Grove Church. And their theme, their mission, their vision is three words. Love like Jesus. And when you're driving down the highway there, when you look up in the spring, they even have uh, uh, flowers planted that says, love like Jesus. Man, that just encapsulates everything that the Lord's telling us. Take a minute, let that think, uh, sink in. Love like Jesus. Isaiah said that Jesus would allow, and Jesus did allow, them to pluck the hairs from his beard, spit upon his face, stab him in the side with a sword, and he never raised up. He never defended himself. Jesus was not that militant John Wayne kind of, you know, American macho guy that sometimes we've made him out to be. Jesus said, I am humble. I'm lowly. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you serve people. Everything about Jesus' life really can be encapsulated 
into this word that he gave us, love. Love. It's the most significant attribute that you and I can offer the world today. We need to love one another. Now, now listen, I'm not quoting some tweed-wearing liberal theologian someplace. You know, I'm, I'm quoting Jesus here. And today this passage reminds us love is not just a feeling. It's a commitment. It's something you do. And John, of all the apostles, <laughs> challenges us. Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue. Now that's good. It's good to affirm one another. It's good to encourage one another. He's not saying you shouldn't do that. But he said just don't stop there. Put your words into actions. Love is something you do. And we're going to encourage you this February, not just to express love verbally, but to put your love into action. In your home, in your church, in our community. That's why today we're launching our food drive for Serve Wenatchee Valley. And there'll be other things we will challenge you throughout this month as the pastors will all take turns speaking this month in this series, Love Does. Three things real fast. As we look at what John wrote here, I see that love is shown through sacrifice. Through sacrifice. Christ showed the ultimate act of sacrifice to us. He came into the world. He left all his <laughs> divine power in heaven. He wrapped himself in humanity where he had the same temptations that we did. He lived a perfect life. He knew the only way he could bridge the gap between this sinful humanity and a holy God was to lay down his life and die on the cross. Sacrificial. He loved us. He didn't just tell us he loved us. He put love into action by giving his very life for us. Something we weren't able to do because all of us have sinned. But he had never sinned, so his blood was pure and holy. He laid down his life so you and I could have this personal, one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. Man, I don't know why he would do that for me. But he did. I, I can't understand that love. When we sing, like, this is amazing love. I love that chorus. We sang it earlier today. It's hard for me to comprehend. I do not understand how God could love me so much. But that's what Christ did for me, and it's what he did for you. And he's our example of what love should be. John said then, this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. I have a niece uh, who lives in North Carolina, and uh, her husband is Lynn. He's a very successful financial advisor, lived in North Carolina all his life. Um, and he, he just kind of fell in love with the Lord maybe eight, ten years ago. And I just 
it's been great to see him grow in his walk with the Lord. It used to be everything was dollars and stocks and, you know, fancy stuff. And all of a sudden now, his heart has changed. When he was here for my mom's funeral last fall, I was listening to him. He's got this heart for children, for kids who are disadvantaged. And he's formed this basketball league. And he uses basketball as a way to share the gospel. It's a basketball league called Carolina Elite. And as I listened to Lynn, I thought, man, there's no ego wrapped up in his coaching responsibilities. He does it because he loves the kids who play on his team. And he sees it as a way to introduce them to the one who will always love them. It's a ministry. Man, some of these kids come from really disadvantaged homes. He and his other coaches are probably the only positive role model some of those kids will ever have. He drives an hour and an hour and a half to pick up these kids to bring them to games and tournaments. He coaches them with the opportunity to minister. There's a sacrifice there. I've seen a change. Instead of all the vacations and all the stuff that he was accustomed to, he has sacrificed those things so that he doesn't miss a game, so he doesn't miss a practice. He's opened up his home and let some of these kids actually live with him. He's a modern-day example to me of someone who understands what it means to love with word, but also love with action and love with sacrifice. Love is an act of sacrifice. Anytime, friends, that you have an opportunity to sacrifice for someone, you have an opportunity to love them. And I just want to challenge all of us. Are, are we, do we sacrifice? Now, the most important thing for all of us to sacrifice is our time. And it's the one thing that all of us have the same amount we don't all have the same amount of money in the bank. We don't have all the same amount of talents. We don't have all, all this resource. But we do all have 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. So the most important thing that we have is our time. And John said we should lay down our lives for our brothers. We don't have to lay them down physically necessarily. It's unlikely that any of us will actually be called upon to give our life for someone. But I'm pretty sure that each of us will be called upon to sacrifice some time this week for somebody. Time that you would rather be spent reading. Time you'd rather be, you know, relaxing or watching TV or time you'd be, you know, doing something else. But we'll have an opportunity to sacrifice some of that time. And I want you to Really ask the Lord to help you to sacrifice and show love this week. doesn't matter how you feel about it. It matters what you do about it. Your time. It's not enough to say, well, I, I love you, and if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Give me a call anytime, and then not really be available. Are we available? Are we willing to sacrifice? You do love. Love does is a theme, and you do love by sacrificing. The second thing I see here is that we do love by giving. Giving. 
Verse 17 says, uh, specifically, it's talking about material things, money, clothing, uh, possessions. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God even be in him? I read this week a great illustration about a man who just epitomized generosity. His name was Bill, and he was referred to in his church as Dollar Bill, because purportedly that's what he put in the offering every Sunday was one dollar. And, and people said he was tight, he was, you know, stingy. They didn't understand what Bill was doing behind the scenes. Because Bill would give thousands of dollars a month to anonymous gifts to bless people in the church. Rarely a month went by that Bill didn't send a family in the community some food or pay some rent or an electric bill or provide a birthday gift for a child whose parents couldn't afford to buy him a special present. And Bill wasn't wealthy by any means. He just had a lot of love to give. And as far as I know, he never went out of his way to even find people to bless. He just helped every needy person that came along. And he did it anonymously. And we have bills like that in our church. People who are extremely generous. We're getting ready to send out our fourth quarter report, what our church was able to accomplish uh, in ministry in October, November, and December of last year. So I asked our bookkeeper, how much did we give out just in benevolence in those three months? Over $4,000 our church gave out because you anonymously helped someone pay rent, helped someone get their car fixed, Help someone buy groceries. And that's what we need to continue to do. We need to continue to show love through our giving. And not our giving, but let them know that it's God providing for them. See, that's the thing. We don't want people to become dependent upon us or upon a church. We want people to depend upon God. That's why the Bible says when you give alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Time and time again, he expressed God's love through material gifts to friends and families and and, and strangers. And that's exactly what I'm encouraging us to do. Not just this month, but, you know, in the years ahead. You can show God's love to the world by giving to others. You don't have to donate great amounts. But as you become aware of people's needs, you can make an effort to help them out however it's possible. And God knows about that, and he will bless you. And that's a whole different sermon, but there is that law of sowing and reaping. And as you sow blessing into other people's lives, God will bless you. It is amazing. We don't give in order to get, but I'll tell you, the more you give, the more that God will give you back so you can give more. Third thing today. First of all, love is sacrificial. Second, love is shown through giving. And really, it's talking about material things there. And then thirdly, love is shown just through our actions. Our actions. It's not just what you give. It's not just what you sacrifice. It's everything you do. You have to get past that feeling that love is a feeling. Man, there are people in my life that I have strong feelings for. 
And I call that love. But, you know, without corresponding actions, those feelings don't really mean very much to those people. And if we say we have love for people, and it's based upon a feeling, then we have to ask ourselves, well, what does that feeling look like? How's that feeling expressed? And John teaches us here, when it comes to expressing love, words aren't enough. We've got to show action. Look at verse 18 again. Dear children, let us not love uh, with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Actions and in truth. I read this week as I was preparing for this uh, message about a lady who works in a center for abused women. And uh, she said the comments she keeps hearing again and again and again from women that return to abusive situations is, well, deep down inside, I, I really think he loves me. That's so sad. You know what they really mean is deep down inside, they must have some feelings toward that person. But their relationship can't be called love because love doesn't express itself through abuse. You can't say you love someone and constantly ignore them or mistreat them or gossip about them. You can't say you love someone and constantly disregard or ignore them or belittle them or demean them. That's why it's so important, friends, to remember Jesus said, love your enemies. And Christians are really, really good at demeaning and belittling those that we don't see as part of our camp. And it's exactly opposite of what Jesus said we should do. And whether we love someone or not is determined how we treat them. Love isn't a feeling. It's something you do. It's treating someone with kindness. It's showing respect, giving them a smile, offering them a hand when they need one. It's a new commandment Jesus gave us, but it really, again, is a kind of a compilation of all the commandments in the Scripture. It's a new law to live by. And it's called the law of love. And we encourage you as our church family, don't just say you love, but let's practice love. Love does. What does love do? It sacrifices. It gives. It's shown through actions. This morning as you leave, you know, take a bag, fill it up with some cans of chili. Bless someone, and we'll encourage you in other ways, but I believe the Holy Spirit, because I know, I know he laid this message on my heart, this whole theme on the hearts of the pastors. I know the Lord's going to give you opportunity this week to apply this message. He will. I, I don't know how it's going to look in your life. I don't even know at this point how it's going to look in my life, but there will be a test. There will be a test. The Lord will give us an opportunity to love like he does. Love's not defined by what you feel. It's defined by what you do. Let's pray together. Father, the best example that we have of true sacrificial love is that you sent your only begotten son to die on the cross, that whosoever believes, not just intellectually, but believes by surrendering and obeying you, 
will have everlasting life. Thank you, God, for that kind of amazing love. And Lord, I pray that this week that we will have that opportunity not just to tell somebody we love them, but to show them. That might be our spouse. That might be a child or a grandchild. It might be a neighbor. It might be a coworker. It might be a teacher in a classroom or a clerk in a store. It might be somebody who has a flat tire on the side of the road. It might be a situation that we hear about, about a young single mom that doesn't have enough money to pay her rent. I don't know what it will look like specifically, God, but I pray that you, who have called us to love as you did, that we will love sacrificially, with actions, and that we will love by giving. Before we close today, I want to make sure that everyone in this room and if you're watching online want to make sure you too have an opportunity to connect with the one that loves you the most if you've never established a relationship with Jesus Christ you'll never love like him and if you're here today and you need to establish a one on one personal relationship with Jesus Christ I just want to pray with you and I want to introduce you to the Lord give you a Bible maybe some things that would help if you're here today would you just raise your hand if you're here today just don't know the Lord and, and just want to meet him today I just really feel led to do this and maybe it's someone in our online audience Jesus, help us each to renew our commitment to you. For we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We confess that we're sinners, that we need a Savior. We confess that Jesus Christ is our Savior by his shed blood on Calvary. Thank you for that love that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that you put in us to give us the ability to love like you. And God, I pray this week that we will pass the test, that we will not just say we love, but we will show your love to others through our actions. In Jesus' name, amen.